Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It's been a long time since we talked, but it is Friday, August 18th, and on Sunday, Atlanta United will go to Seattle in a fun, potentially important game for both MLS sides. Kickoff is going to be at 10.30, so drink your coffee or, or whatever you use to stay up. You can follow my coverage on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. In this podcast, you're going to hear from Gonzalo Pineda. You're going to hear from Caleb Wiley. We've got a couple of voicemails that were sent in, and I'm going to answer the questions that you were kind enough to email to me at D-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N at AJC.com. And as always, if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, before we get into talking with or listening to Gonzalo Pineda, let's go through some numbers really quick about the game. Atlanta United is 9, 7, and 8. Seattle is 10, 8, and 6. Atlanta United has 10 games remaining. It is in 7th place in the East. It wants to get to 4th. It trails that 4th place team, Nashville, by just 3 points. Doesn't seem like it'd be that big of a deal, right? Wrong. The 10 games Atlanta United have left is probably the toughest stretch I can ever remember the team having. You've got 8 teams, well, 7 because they play one team twice, Cincinnati. Above the playoff line, Cincinnati is uh, in the lead for the Supporters' Shield. The two teams that are below the line, one, Montreal, is barely below the line. The other is Miami, which has the fewest points in Major League Soccer, but it's also added Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, and a couple of really talented South American players. So you got to figure they're going to be coming like a freight train in their final few games. Very, very tough stretch of games. Seattle at home is 6-3-4. Atlanta United on the road is 2-5-5. Five, five. Seattle's goals for and against are 29-23, but its expected goals are 37.1 and 23.4. So offensively, it's unlucky. Defensively, it's kind of doing what it's supposed to do. Its past five matches, it is 2-1-2. Atlanta United goals for and against are 42-39. and 39. Expected goals for and against are 32.8 and 28.4. So it is should be considered very lucky on offense and very unlucky on defense. It is 2-0-3 in its past five games. 
All right, so let's get into some of the audio. Here is Gonzalo Pineda giving an update on when the team's last two signings, or not the last two, but the two that haven't started yet, Saba and Jamal Tiatari are expected to arrive. Uh, still waiting on visas. That's that's a, that's the um, the process. Uh, Saba is a bit uh, ahead in the process, uh, so we're expecting Saba uh, in the next few days to be uh, with us. Uh, Jamal is going to take a bit longer. Maybe. And then I just was curious if the player's nationality affects the time it can take to get their P1 visa. Saba is from Georgia, part of the European Union. Thierry is a Senegal native. And here's Pineda's answer. Yeah, a few of those. Like uh, for Euro- Europeans, it's easier uh, because they can get here and then go through Canada. That's what we've been doing with Tristan. So it's easier the process and we can have them training on their own and, you know, and be closer. Um, then they can't until they have the business. So I looked this up last night because I was curious if the process for Atlanta United is on par for what is average or not to get these P1 visas. It usually can take six to nine months to get a P1 visa. So that it's taking Atlanta United a few weeks and it's not really anything Atlanta United can do about it. It's the other team's government and how quickly it runs uh, affects things. And the players that Atlanta United signing are signing, unlike Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, and Jordi Alba, are considered among the best in the world at their positions. The visa process is not going to be expedited. But followed up by asking Pineda if Saba can get his visa today or even tomorrow, is there a chance he's going to be in that game day roster on Sunday? It could be. I'm just waiting for news, actually, and that that's a possibility. We're uh, we're just waiting. Another one of the new signings, Jean de Silva. Got his P1 visa. Um, he's a native of Portugal. Uh, he Teammates said he performed well in last week's closed scrimmage against St. Louis. Here's Pineda's thoughts on how Silva played. He looks very good. Uh, his, uh, his quality and his versatility as a player is, is quite good. He can play as a nine. He can play on the right side. He can play on the left. So he's a very versatile player. Actually, out of that, he gets a lot of mobility. Uh, he combines very well, uh, whether it's on the right side or on the left side. I think it's, it's very positive. And then we're all assuming that Silva is going to start, if not this game, at least the next game against Nashville. Ask Pineda if that is possible. Yeah, that's what we're trying to assess. Uh, you know, the other day he played very limited minutes against St. Louis, so now uh, we're just wondering how many he can play. Is he good to go from the beginning? Can he impact better in the second half, either 45 or last 30? That's what we're trying to assess. We still have one more day there in Seattle to see how he recovers from today's sessions and, and we'll make a decision. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this is a very, very tough 10-match stretch for Atlanta United. I did a quick survey of some of the other guys that covered the team today to try to figure out how many points do they think the team can get from these final 10 matches. And it was a, a very disparate spread from 9 to 18. So, Aspinato, what's the key to navigating this stretch? I told them next 10 games is 10 finals, but you have to start with the first one. You start to 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 send the message that, you know, no matter where we are, home or away, we have to show the same mentality, the same aggression that we've been showing here and there through the season. Certain games in a specific that come to my mind is Red Bulls at home, Philadelphia at home, Charlotte away, uh, Cruz at home. I think those 
those games, even for some extent, uh, Montreal, New York City, uh, Toronto, the mentality of the team was up to a certain standard that we shouldn't drop. And the others been okay, but these five, six games stand out in terms of the mentality and the, um, you know, the full commitment of the group. And that's how I need the team every game. Uh, and that's that's a challenge for for the players, for us as coaches, is is try to get that environment where since the whistle we can be on the front foot, we can be proactive, we can be aggressive, we can be dom uh, dominant of the game uh, as as we were in those games that I just mentioned. The natural follow-up is, well, have you been working on that during these past few weeks since the team was bounced out of the League's Cup and found itself with almost three weeks between games? Uh, yeah, we went through different phases in the three weeks. Probably the first week was an uh, uh, odd week because he was putting some players in balance um, fitness levels like some guys needed rest actually we were able to rest a few that were international duties and you know especially the guys that went to the all-star all games we gave them a few a few days just to break down and you know slow down mentally and physically some others needed to catch up and to have a more rhythm some guys played with the second team uh, and then from there once we start to kind of balance the fitness levels we start to work in certain principles of play um, attacking first the build-up uh, how we want to play now with the new players that at the moment we have two new players but also Caleb playing left back he's kind of a new player there because he was playing most of the time as a winger so it's different uh, now Abram is starting to, to have some rhythm as a centre back Muyumba then of course Shande if he starts if he's not like he's going to be integrated in the team now that we know the characteristics of Saba of Jamal how we can put them in a system where we don't change that much game after game the tactics the, 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 the roles of each player and we're working on that on how we're going to do things. And then, of course, uh, another week, just probably more to defending, middle block, high press um, situations in defense that we felt that it was much needed. And, and then the last week has been mostly about Seattle and, and trying to focus on the game plan for Sunday. Caleb Wiley also spoke to us today. And as Pineda hinted at, uh, Wiley is going to move back to left fullback. We've known this for a few weeks since Carlos Bocanegra did his post-transfer window press conference with us. Wanted to get Wiley's thoughts on the permanent move. I mean, obviously, I mean, I've played that position before, and it's the position that I grew up playing. So, I mean, I always love going back there. And it's it's a little bit different role than, you know, your true left-back role. It's more pinched in and dropped back a little bit more and gives me, you know, more – I get the more um, – it's up to me when I should, I should go and be a part of the attack and um, – uh, but I, so far in training, I've, I've enjoyed it. Now, he's going to play Wiley on the left side. Silva will most likely also play on the left side. The two did play on the same side together against St. Louis, so I wanted Wiley's thoughts on how Silva played. Uh, he did really well. Um, he did. He only played 30 minutes, but from what I saw in those 30 minutes, he, he was really bright, very uh, big of a threat. Um, you know, had a nice assist, um, but I really liked what I saw, and he's really enjoyable to play with. And then I wanted to uh, just ask how they interacted together. We are um, constant, you know, communicating um, to each other. Um, he's just an overall great guy, too. Um, off the field, too. Funny guy um, just to be around. So it's nice to have that type of, you know, guy on the side that, you know, we can get along with, and, you know, it just only helps me, too. So that's kind of cool. Uh, we'll see what kind of player he is. He's had some 
unfortunate times at some past clubs, hasn't really been able to stick uh, at the past few places. He is on loan here to Atlanta United from his previous club. Um, I'm excited to see what he can bring. I, I would point out, I was kind of talking about this with somebody today. If you look at Lenny United's wingers uh, the past few, past two seasons, they really have not got a lot of production out of any of them. Um, so I don't know if it's a function of just the players, if it's a function of the tactics and the formation, if it's a function of the expectations, or if they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. I wouldn't think they are, or the team wouldn't have brought in two new wingers. We'll get a much better idea of these next 10 games if Silva and Saba come in and neither produce a whole lot of goals and assists, then chances are there's some tweaks that need to be made in the tactics and strategies that Atlanta United is using. I, I don't know what's going to happen over these next 10 games, but we'll we'll find out. And here's Wiley with his key to the team getting three points on Sunday. I think coming out on the front foot, um, Seattle, they're, they're going to be um, – you know, ready to, to come out flying, especially that, you know, they're home. And um, so it's on, it's on us to, to not let that happen and for us to kind of um, be the ones to, you know, get the first goal and, you know, put in the first tackle and to do the right things first. There we go. Good insight from Caleb there. When we come back, we're going to listen to the two voicemails and I'm going to answer your questions. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. You're going to get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. Uh, The paper is starting one focused on the investigations of Mr. Trump that will be going on in Fulton County. It's, we've provided excellent coverage of, of that news and we'll continue to do so. So again, it's just 99 cents. Consider it. It's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. Subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. Let's go to the mailbag. That number again is 404-526-AJCP. 404-526-2527. Whatever your favorite takeout restaurant is, Just wipe out their number and put this number in so that every time you try to dial them, you're going to be stuck having to leave a voicemail about Atlanta United. That's my advice to you. Hey, Doug, this is Josh from Roswell. Uh, Just calling to see, um, get your thoughts on the League's Cup in general um, and see what maybe improvements could be made for future League's Cups. I think in general it's been great. I know it's been mostly the messy show from the uh, 
national media perspective, but um, I really thought that the Mexican clubs would do a lot better. Um, but I guess the, the big things working against them was, you know, hey, it's early in their season. Most of the games, all the games are in the U.S. So, you know, those are two huge disadvantages for them. And um, I think what we learned is that the um, we expected the, the top Mexican teams to do well, but the uh, outside of those top three, four teams, I think the MLS is better. But anyway, I just wanted to hear if you had any thoughts about future improvements, enhancements for future editions of the League's Cup. Thanks. Hey, great question. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, MLS teams did do well. You've got Miami versus Nashville uh, in the final on Saturday. It's going to be an epic epic uh, contest at Geodis Park, a beautiful soccer stadium and a fun town if you've never been to either in Tennessee. Um, you know, MLS teams knew, or I'm sorry, Liga Emekis teams knew what they were signing up for. They knew all the games are going to be in the United States. They knew it was going to be the beginning of their season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're now kind of getting a little bit of a taste of what MLS teams have complained about for years uh, with the CONCACAF Champions League, that it always starts even before their seasons have started. So they have no runway. They're just kind of dropping in cold, which is never fun to do. So next year, if, it, if they have this iteration next year, and I assume they will, I'm hoping maybe they can figure out a way to maybe not just stop both league seasons, but but sprinkle it throughout, hopefully get a little bit of balance in the travel between the MLS teams and the Liga Mekis teams to make it truly um, what's the word I'm looking for? As balanced as, as it can possibly be. But we may also see MLS relax some of its signing rules going into next season, which could help MLS teams catch up to three of the big powers in Mexico, which are, of course, Monterrey, Tigres, and, and Club America, because they're, they're still probably head and shoulders the best teams in the region. Overall, they were unfortunate not to advance in this tournament. But it's been a fun tournament. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed watching it. I think it was a cool idea. And let's see what happens going forward. Okay, Doug, this is Rob here. want to run a crazy, wild, wacky theory by you, but I think it's got some foundation. Let me, let me lay a little foundation for it first. Part one, we know Messi being in MLS is a huge attention grabber, and it's grabbing attention of young Argentinians, you know, like all these young guys that they signed on the U22 initiative in Miami. Part two, we know Messi, despite performing at a top level, cannot play forever. He's in his mid-30s, near the end of his career. Miami's got to have a life after Messi plan. Part three, we know, thanks to your excellent reporting, that Carlos Bocanegra is a fan of intra-league transfers, more akin to what's allowed between MLS and other leagues as opposed to trades for Tam and Gam. And part four, we know, so my theory, Doug, is this. What if Almada, or as some fans have called him, the Marietta Messi, wants to play with Messi before going overseas? And what if owners of bigger spending clubs like Atlanta and Miami are lobbying for mechanisms that could make it actually happen? Okay. Um, I don't really know if there was a question in that. More of a theory, or a series of theories. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say. I don't think Almada wants to go to Miami to play with Messi. There's been no inkling of that. Um, I don't know how it would happen. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, you kind of caught me off guard with that, the, the sudden ending of the question. I'll think about it for a little bit.
Let's get into the traditional emails uh, to D-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N at AJC.com. I would say you could DM me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, except the uh, DM function doesn't really work as well as it used to since the owner of said platform decided to make some unnecessary changes. Sean says, where do you think we go with our two designated players in the winter? Assuming the rumors, see, there is one, well, there's going to be at least one DP slot open because Atlanta United can buy down Saba uh, and turn him into a, a, a regular player, so to speak. Um, and then there's the other open DP slot. I, I don't know. Uh, there, the team's going to have a lot of holes to fill. Let's say it sells Almada. You got to fill that hole. Um, the team loses Robinson more than likely. The team loses Zetu, which I know how some of you feel about him. You know how I sometimes feel about him. I think they just need to look at the roster, figure out the balance between experience and age. Uh, I'm sorry, experience and money, and and go from there. It's too way too early to try to figure out. You do know you've got a striker, which is important. You're going to have a at least one winger in Saba. Silva, we'll see if they extend that loan or not. Your fullbacks are locked up in Wiley and Lennon. You've got a central midfielder in Miyamba. You've got potential at center back with Noah Cobb. Luisa Brahm should still be here. Parata's loan will expire. So there's some holes you got to fill. The team may want to go ahead and, and try to get the goalkeeper of the future. We'll see. Um, his second question is, do you think the quality of Miami will cause any MLS teams to significantly increase their spending? Well, there's only so much they can spend. There is a salary cap. Coffee sip. If you're asking if the rules might be relaxed, there's been a lot of hinting from a lot of different people at a lot of different levels that there are going to be some changes coming to Major League Soccer's roster rules and how players could be acquired. Now, we'll you know, are those changes going to be as radical as some people might want? Doubtful. Might there be year-over-year year minor tweaks to make the league uh, more competitive worldwide? There was one study earlier this week that MLS is barely, uh, I think, top 30 league in the world. I don't know what the quart, the measurements for that are, what the ingredients were. I don't know if it's top 10 yet. I would probably put it top 15. But its goal is to be among the best. So to do that, you've got to spend the money on players. Do I think that player spending, spending on players has gotten way, way out of control? Oh, yes, I very much do. I always have. I think the spending on, on pro professional athletes is beyond the pale gross. Whether people like it or not, whether the athletes like it or not, they are commodities. There's always going to be somebody as good or better it's just incumbent upon you to find that player you think is going to be as good or better. You don't have to go and spend, for example, the most recent barbaric expense was Chelsea's $130-$140 million on Moises Casado. Fantastic player. But is, a, is a, anybody worth that money? No. Is a player that's not going to score worth that money? No. As a player who's not going to stop other teams from scoring a lot of goalkeeper worth that money? No. It's crazy. It's just crazy. So I don't want to ever see MLS take all the reins off. But 
increasing the cap by maybe a couple million dollars, maybe adding another DP slot, that's a way to go. Another member of the Doug Club, because we are the greatest in the history of all names, asks, I'm just wondering if you had any further info as to whether Messi plans to play here in Atlanta and Charlotte on an artificial service. I was looking online, but couldn't find much. I'm curious if you've ever seen Messi, Tata, or another member of Miami management being asked this in a press conference. Thanks and have a great day. Now, this was sent in before Messi's press conference on Thursday, and the answer quickly came out. Messi said, I have no problems playing on turf. I played it on it as a kid. I'll play on it now. So all those people on my Twitter timeline who kept saying Messi will never, ever play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and I kept saying, I've never heard him say that, but they were adamant and sure that he would not ever come to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'm just going to send a big old raspberry to you because I kept pointing out I've never heard him say that. You've never heard him say that. But you want to keep giving opinion is fact, which is part of what's wrong with this country right now. People just can't seem to understand the difference between the two. So could we see Messi play September 16th when Atlanta United hosts Miami? You could. Keep in mind, Argentina has World Cup qualifiers in the week before that. One of those games is on September 12th at La Paz, Bolivia, which is among the toughest places in the world to play because of the altitude. If Messi plays in that, it may be tough for him to come back, get his legs back, and play at Mercedes, or start at least at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But right now, he has no problems with turf. John asks, he's been trying to figure out why Tiago Almada changed his number to 10. This was announced yesterday by the team. He says, do you think it's a PR campaign sales pitch to sign an extension? I don't know what one possibly has to do with the other. Or more likely a gesture of appreciation. And he's probably being sold, loaned the current next transfer period. Again, I have no idea what changing number has to do with either of those things. And you know they like to squeeze a few more bucks in jersey sales of the latter. Arthur Blank does not need the money. They're not going to change a jersey number because they need revenue. That's just not happening. It was likely the player wanted this number. It had been used by another player. It became vacant when that player left. So Tiago may have said, hey, I play number 10. I would like to be number 10. A fairly famous another Argentinian wears number 10. So he may have just said, may I have this, please? And the team said, sure. That's all there was to it. There was a whole lot of brain power spending a whole lot of time on the Twitters yesterday trying to figure out why the number changed. And I half-heartedly joked, if we'd have spent some of that energy on trying to solve homelessness, we might have made a dent instead of worrying about why one number was changed to another. Derek says, as always, I love the podcast, training on coverage, and articles in the AJC. Well, thank you, Derek. Any update on the visa paperwork for the remaining two transfer players? Hopefully you heard that earlier in the podcast. No, there are no updates yet. And then the question of the week from Nick, friend of the podcast. I want to get your thoughts on how many of next year's possible starters are currently on the 2023 team. He counts five. All right, so let's just go through what I think is going to be the lineup tomorrow. Gigi, he'll start. Saba, he'll start. Well, I'm going to go ahead and throw in Saba. I don't think he's going to start against Seattle, but you get the idea. Silva, 
possible start. He'll be here, so we're up to three. Almada, still no rumors about him going anywhere. Any rumors of substance? There's four. Miyamba, there's five. Wiley, there's six. Lennon, there's seven. Abram, there's eight. Guzan, who is under contract, there's nine. Second question from Nick. How much does Almada taking the 10 raise the chances he stays for 2024? I just covered this. I, do, I really, y'all got to help me understand what does one have to do with the other? It's just a number. He could have gotten the number in the offseason, next offseason, if he wants to. I, I just, somebody email me and help me understand those two things because I, I my brain is not capable right now of putting those two pieces of information together into a coherent theory. All right. Before we wrap up, I want to give a thank you to Colin Beasley, our summer intern. His last day was today. He's headed back to Villanova, uh, where the main sport is college football, I believe. And he's going to be covering some of that this fall. Fine young man. Wish him all the luck in the future. I want to uh, say thanks to the doctors at uh, Wellstar Kennestone who've been treating my mom. Uh, she's had an issue. I, I don't want to go into what the issue was, but she's had an issue, and I'm hoping that she's going to get to go home today. And, you know, love you very much, Ma, and I'm glad that you're getting better. As always, hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada, you can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.